Amen. Well, you can have a seat. It's such a joy to see all of your faces, and uh, it's always so fun to have the kids with us in worship. And you know what I love about what, what the team did is, is, you know, sometimes you have this like kind of a side, you know, it's like the kids come and they sing some funny song and they do their thing and then they go back down, you know, and it's like everybody's like, that's cute and beautiful and whatever. But what I loved, you know what I really loved? I loved that the kids were a part of the team that they were worshiping God uh, as a part of the team. And, and uh, our heart as a church is, is to, to really create an environment that trains up children as worshipers, as lovers of God. And, and, uh, and so I love it when we integrate our kids into what we do uh, around here. And so, so it's such a joy. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, hey, I just have a couple of things before we get into our new series. Uh, our new series is called Home for Christmas, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But, but I did want to share just a little bit of information with you. Um, basically, over the last um, uh, few weeks, we've been talking about uh, generosity, and we went through a series called The Blessed Life, and some of you are like, thank God it's over. I get it. Um, but, but, but part of that series is... At the 1st of December, we receive an offering called our Legacy Offering. And that Legacy Offering is set aside uh, to go to someday when we buy a new home as a church that we'll have some money to be able to do that. And, and so this past week, uh, we received that offering. And I wanted to just kind of share with you uh, what those totals look like. Uh, basically, what I've seen so far is we raised around uh, $32,000 uh, that would go directly into that fund. Praise God for that. Um, now, over the last few months, we've raised more than that, but I just kind of wanted to give you a, a snapshot of that. And then here's the other thing what's really cool is uh, over the year, you know, we've received two offerings. And so over this year, we've received over $80,000 going to the legacy in total. Uh, and so that's amazing. And, and what's really cool is the year before that, we brought in around 50,000. So we've increased that almost by 40 grand uh, going into the legacy. And so it's just really cool uh, to see how God's people are responding. Uh, God's people are being faithful in their generosity. And uh, I, I know, and I know you know, that, that it is God's heart for us not to just be renters. Come on. Someday we're going to own something in Jesus' name. And uh, I'm praying that somebody just gives it to us for a dollar. Come on. We, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I mean, I'll have the money. I can buy lots of stuff with the money. We'll, we'll, we'll get the FF and E in there. You know, we'll get the furnishings and everything with that money. But we'll just pay for a dollar. Amen. In Jesus' name. I'm praying for a miracle. <laughs> It'd be great. I've, hey, I've seen it happen, guys. I've seen it happen. I know, a, I know a church in Philadelphia that uh, recently got a new building, and it was a massive building, and they paid a dollar for it. Uh, and God does those kinds of things. And, and so we'll see what, he, what he's up to, but I believe he's with us. I believe he's for us, and we're going to see great things happen. All right, I have one more thing before I, before I step into the, the series. Uh, on your seat when you came in, you may have seen a postcard there. Now, we've designed these postcards and even put uh, postage on them. And, and what we're asking you to do is, I don't know if you know this, but at Christmas time and Christmas Eve, uh, people are more likely to come to church if they're invited. 
And so we wanted to help you with that. And so what we've done is we've given you a postcard that you basically can write in the address and write a little note that says, hey, I would love for you to join me or anything like that, you know. Uh, and then all you have to do is drop it in the mail. Uh, and what I'm asking you to do is fill that out with somebody that you want to invite to church, pray over it and ask that it goes to the right person and gets to the right person and, and it's received well and that that person perhaps comes to church on Christmas Eve or even before that. I mean, it's, it, it can happen before that, but, but that they potentially would do that. And so if you're willing to do that, I would love to pray for you and pray over the, these. And so if you want to pick those up, I just want to pray over them. God, we believe that you are more invested in seeing your kids get home than we are. So much so that you were willing to send your son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And so, Father, right now, as we dedicate these postcards to you, whatever name is put on them, wherever they go, that they would find favor, they would find good soil, and that the seed that's sown through this mail item would lead to people finding life, finding connection with your church, and ultimately, if, if they don't know, that they would find salvation in this life and in the next, God. We ask that these things would be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hopefully you'll take advantage of that. It's very simple to do. Um, but today, we are starting a new series called Home for Christmas. And, and uh, this series really came out of something that God was burdening my heart about. And it's, over, it's been something that's kind of been bubbling up a little bit over the last few years. Is, is that, that over the last few years, I've seen people, I've seen people wander away. Did you know that? Like, I don't know, maybe you're here today and you wandered away and you're here for the first time. I'm just glad you're here. Because what I've found is that over probably about 14% of the church has wandered away. And I'm not saying just, I'm not saying our church, I'm saying the church in general. I don't know the exact numbers, but what I've seen is that there's been a wandering. There's been a, a wandering away. And, and I had this impression in my heart as I was praying and as I was seeking God, is that we would just create some space just to welcome people home. You know, because uh, I think sometimes what happens is we get in our ruts and we go away and we we start to believe. Come on. We start to believe lies about the church. We start to believe lies about the people within the church. We start to believe all kinds of things. And I just want to say to you that I, and whether you're online or whether you're here in person, I want to say to you that there is somebody that is lying to you. And what happens is that we spend all kinds of time thinking that we're fighting against flesh and blood but the bible says that we're not fighting against flesh and blood that may be what we perceive but we're actually fighting against principalities we're we're fighting against spiritual realities that we don't even see or understand and so what i just want to say to you today is that could you for a moment just stop and believe that god wants you in his house that God wants you connected to his church, that God wants you connected to the people of God, that God, for you online, that God wants you in the house of the Lord, because God is busy 
and he's active and he's moving in the lives of people. And so my heart as we go through this series is that people would once again realize that their home is in the house. Their home is with Jesus. Their home is with the people of God. Even if you don't always agree with them. Come on. You, you can still find a home in the, in the, in the church. And, and, and so for believers today, come on. It's time for you to get reconnected. And for the unbeliever in the room, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come. You didn't even know that you had a home, but you have a home, the Bible says. And so my heart is, as we go through this series, that you would come face to face with this reality that God wants you home. That God wants you home. Come on. That God wants you home. I want to read something to you out of Luke chapter 15. This, is a, this will be our series verse uh, or verses that, that we'll read over the next few weeks. But I just want to read them to you. Perhaps you've heard the story. I'll elaborate on the story a little bit as we go through the whole series. And I'll talk a little bit about it today. But, but this story in Luke 15, perhaps you've heard it. It's the story that's oftentimes described as the prodigal son story. And, and, and there's a lot of uh, stories. There's a lot of preaching about this particular passage of Scripture. It's the same place where you see the lost sheep and the lost coin. And then it talks about the lost son, right? And, and so that's the, the section of Scripture that we're going to be reading. And so Jesus is sharing this story with these religious leaders. And he's trying to make a point. But here's the thing I've learned, and I'm not going to tell you completely everything today. You'll have to come back. But, but, but I do know this, that oftentimes people misinterpret this passage of Scripture. They actually don't, actu they actually don't understand what's really going on. And so we're going to spend some time looking at that. But I wanted to start here in verse 17 of chapter 15 of Luke. Listen to these words. That brought him to his senses. Everybody say, that brought him to his senses. You ever been brought to your senses? You ever had one of those moments that you woke up? You ever had, like, somebody hit you over the head with something? Or you, I've even heard people say, God hit me over the head with something. You know what I mean? Like, like you came to your senses. That's what the, what the writer is saying. And then listen, Jesus says, all those farmhands, this, this is the younger brother saying this. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down for three meals a day. And here I'm starving to death. I'm going, he says this, he says, I'm going back to my father. And I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, that perhaps you've wandered so far away that, that these are the kinds of things that go through your head. And then listen to this. He says, take me. Take me, your son. Listen to this. As a hired hand. And then I love this phrase. Listen. He got right up and he went home to his father. He went home to his father. Isn't that a beautiful idea? I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what, what, where you're at right now. It could be that you're far from God, or maybe you've never experienced the salvation of Jesus, or, or maybe you've wandered away, or maybe, and maybe you haven't even wandered away. Maybe you've been in the house of the Lord, but you've felt disconnected. 
I just want to say to us as we go through this series that maybe just maybe God is saying, get up. Get up and come home. Get up and come home. And so we're going to be spending a little time talking about that idea of what it looks like for us to come home at Christmas as we wander through this passage of Scripture and some others uh, as we learn more about who God is and the kind of life that He calls each of us to. You know, what's interesting about this story is when I read verses 17 and 20 or through 20, some of the context isn't there. Uh, if you know the story, you know that the younger brother went to the father and said, hey, uh, I wish you would die. I mean, in not so many words, and I would like my inheritance now. And so the father, which I'm always amazed that the father gave him an inheritance. You know what I'm saying? I'd have been like, you can stick it in your ear. Huh? Right? Am I the only one? Of course. And the son comes and asks for this, and he gives it to him. And this son takes what was given to him and he goes off to a far land and he squanders it all. And this is the picture that we have that in this moment when he comes to his senses, he's in a situation where basically he's broke. He's in the middle of a famine. He's working with pigs as a Jew. Come on. And he's starving to death. And so he comes to his senses. I don't know about you. I'd be coming to my senses too. I'd be like, this is nuts. What have I done to myself? And what's so amazing is that somewhere in the back of his mind, he, he, he starts to kind of contemplate and think about and realize that, wait a second. I mean, even the hired hands in my father's house are treated better than I'm being treated He's like, maybe, just maybe, he'll accept me back. Maybe, just maybe, he'll hire me on as a, as a hired hand. And he's, he's confident enough in just that, that he's willing to get up and start walking towards the Father. He's willing to start walking home. There's enough in him to believe that maybe, just maybe, his Father would have some mercy on him and that he would walk home and that he would be embraced. And so that's the backdrop. Now, I don't know if you've felt like this. I don't know if you have people in your life that have felt like this, but, but I know that over the last few years, there have been moments that I've felt disconnected, that I've felt like maybe I've wandered away. I think it's the human condition. I think it's something that we all can relate to, that there are moments in our life that we feel like we've wandered away that we feel disconnected from God. We feel disconnected from the church. We feel disconnected from each other. And, and those are things that happen in our life. And here's the thing that's really crazy though. This is the craziest part. And I hate to say it, this is the hard truth, is that oftentimes the reason we feel that way is because we chose to do something that leads to that feeling. Now, I know we like to blame life. <laughs> I know that we like to blame other people. I know that we like to come up with all kinds of excuses, right? Come on. No? Okay, I know. You guys are better than me. But did you know that the Bible says the people that make excuses that blame are foolish? That the wise are the ones that realize the truth, they hear the truth, and they apply it. And so what I want to say to you today is, is that I've found that oftentimes, and not all the time, but oftentimes, the reason I feel disconnected 
The reason I feel like I'm in exile, the reason I feel like maybe I'm in a pig pen is because I've made a choice. And that choice has led to a certain reality. And I always find it curious that we, we don't get mad at ourselves. We seem to get mad at everybody else. And we get mad at God even. I've even found that some people blame God. And it's like, wait a second, hold the phone. At what point do we take responsibility? This past week, I was reconnecting with a friend of mine. Now, it had been several months. We, we actually had been together. We had hung out, uh, and, and he's a pastor friend of mine, and, and we had been talking back and forth. But, but for some reason, over the last few months, we've just we've kind of lost touch. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know if you've ever had that happen. Like, you just get busy, right? And there's this drift, and, and the next thing you know, that friend that you used to talk to all the time is all of a sudden not there, or, or you don't know what's going on. And you, or have you ever had this happen? where you start thinking things that aren't true because there's a distance. So maybe you start thinking, you know, I wonder if they really like me. Do you think they're mad at me? I don't know if they're mad. Are they mad? You know what I mean? You know the voices? Anybody else have these voices? And then all of a sudden, you start to convince yourself of things that may or may not be true. Well, guys, is that God's will for your life? No, but yet we do it. And it was interesting, we were reconnecting over coffee and we were talking and there was a moment in the conversation where my buddy says to me, hey, was there something that happened? Did, did, did I say something or do something that offended you? And I appreciated the question, but the truth is there was nothing. I mean, I had nothing in my heart towards him. There was no offense whatsoever. But he had had this moment where over time started to wonder and the enemy was busy stirring that pot and what was so cool is that once we got face to face once we talked once we got you know all of a sudden we realized that none of that was true and that we were just like the friends we were before we just had gotten busy and I think one of the most detrimental things to the Christian experience in the Christian life if you are a Christian today is busyness is that we get so busy that we stop relating to each other and to God because the thing we haven't figured out which we should have but we haven't or maybe we have and we just keep doing it come on is that, that, that our relationship with God and our relationship with others and our relationship with the church are oxygen to our journey and without it, we don't have oxygen. And if you don't have oxygen, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I don't work in the medical field. But I've learned that if you don't have oxygen, what happens? You die. It reminds me of when I was in high school. I know some of you don't realize that I played a lot of sports growing up. But I actually was on the football team. I know, I know. I was the kicker, but just relax. <laughs> and we were in the weight room, and we were lifting weights. And, and I actually wasn't on the bench, but somebody else was. And uh, I pulled off one of the 45-pound plates, and I was holding it, right? And somebody came up behind me, and they put me in the sleeper hold. <laughs> like, to be funny, right? Well, I couldn't really do anything because I had a 45-pound plate. 
in my hands and if I dropped it I would have dropped it on myself so I'm holding this plate unable to do anything about what's happening and I'm telling you in that moment I lost oxygen and when I did I just went like this I mean I fell to the ground I had lost the oxygen that my brain needed and I just passed out and the other guy's like oh I guess we killed him <laughs> they didn't mind killing the kicker you know <laughs> But see, our connection with each other and God and his house are oxygen to our lives. And so often do we pull away from those things. We get disconnected from those things. Sometimes, it's, it's sometimes we don't even mean to do it, right? It's just, we just get busy. And what happens is we forsake the things and the people that can actually help us. So here's a thought I've been thinking about. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have something. Even if you don't know it, you have something. And you know what you have? You have a relationship with Jesus. You have a home. You have a father. You have the Holy Spirit, the power that you need to do anything that God has called you to do in this life. I don't care how hard it is. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you have access to this same thing. If you're willing to enter into a relationship with Jesus is what the Bible says. But here's the thing that you have to see. If you have it, then that means, come on, that it's yours to lose. Yes, if you have something, it's yours to lose. You don't have to lose it. You don't have to give it away. You don't have to do anything like that because it's yours. And see, what happens is we start to make all these excuses and I just want to suggest today that maybe just maybe God wants us to own the fact that you have something and if you give it away that's on you if you give it away that's on you if you turn the oxygen off come on and you pass out and if you don't get oxygen soon you're gonna die that's not God doing that to you. And my heart for you today is that you would realize that you have everything you need. If you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, that you can come home to that reality, that you can gain that kind of reality in your life. But also, believer, listen to me, you also can lose it. If you're not faithful to the things that God wants you to be faithful for, to, you can lose it. And the sad part is, is sometimes we just give it away. And then we find ourselves in the same situation as the younger brother. Maybe we didn't even do it as willfully. You know what I mean? Maybe we just do it indirectly. Maybe we just drift. Maybe we just get busy and we lose sight of what God has for us and we give away the thing that can help us. You know, I wanted, to, I wanted us to look at a passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy in addition to the passage that we're looking at in John chapter 15. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Now, this is an interesting passage of Scripture because um, basically Moses is standing up and he's talking to the people of Israel, all right? So just imagine that you guys are the people of Israel. I'm Moses for a second, and I'm about to give you a speech, 
uh, because this is one of his final speeches. And so he stands up to give the speech. And I don't know about you, but if he, if you were giving your final speech, what would you say? You know, you'd be like, come on guys, we got to, you know, we got to keep going. We got to take the hill. We got to trust God. You know, right. You might be like, rah, rah, rah. Now go out there and get them. Right. I mean, it'd be, you're just trying to pump them up, pep them up, get them ready for the, for the, for the fight. And, um, well, it's interesting in this speech, he, he doesn't really do that. Now he says some of that, but then there's this moment. Listen to this. This is in, in, in Deuteronomy 31, verse 16 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, uh, you are about to die and join your ancestors. So he's just being clear with him. You're about to die. Uh, Joshua is about to take over. Uh, I want you to bless him. He's going to go take the land. They're going to go fight. You know, the whole, whole uh, Jericho thing, march around, you know, take the land that God had planned for them to take. That's about to happen. And, but he says, oh, Moses, you're going to die and uh, join your ancestors. And then watch this. It says, the Bible says, after you are gone, these people will begin to worship foreign gods and the gods of this land where they are going. They will abandon me and break my covenant that I've made with them. Great speech. I mean, seriously, like, I love you guys. You know, we've, we've fought the fight. We made it through the desert. But just, I, I just need you to know, you're going to mess it up so bad. Like literally, you're going to go into the land that, the God, that God gave you, and you're going to start to worship other gods. I don't know about you, I wouldn't necessarily be all that inspired. Some of us would be like, no way, Jesus, I'll never deny you, right? I would never do that. I mean, I saw you bring us out of Egypt. I saw you open. I saw you open the sea. I mean, I, 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 I wasn't a part of that group that, 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 that did that thing with the cow. I, I didn't do that. I wasn't a part of that. I was always with you. And yet, and yet <laughs> Moses says to him, you guys are going to really mess this up bad. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, it gets real serious. Then my anger will blaze forth against them, the Bible says. Like God's going to be angry. Let me stop here for a second. Some of you experience God as angry. Like that's how you relate to God. Like he's, he's mad at you. He's always angry with you. Anybody feel that sometimes? You don't always feel him. You don't always experience him as a loving father because you've been taught things over your life. And here's what I want to say to you. God's anger is temporary. God's anger is temporary and it's usually, no, it's always focused on sin and disobedience. But it's not a perpetual state of God. Listen, there's a, like there are attributes, attributes of God, love, right? Just all these things you've heard. But his anger is temporary. His anger is addressing a problem. His wrath is addressing problems. It doesn't mean that it's always what he is. He might be angry. You ever been angry with somebody and still love them? You ever been angry with somebody and still be willing to do what you got to do for them because you love them? And so my point is, is that God isn't just sitting there angry all the time. 
but he is angry in this moment you know why he's angry he's angry because in the future the people of israel are going to rebel against him and they're going to forget what he's done so it goes on to say this he will blaze forth against them the bible says i will abandon them hiding my face from them that does not sound good and they will be devoured terrible trouble will come down on them and on on that day they will say these disasters have come on us because god is no longer among us no kidding verse 18 at that time i will hide my face from them on account of all the evil they have committed by worshiping other gods I i don't like it i don't like it and we read it and we think yeah man those israelites bunch of punks they saw god do all these things they saw god do this they saw god do that god showed up so faithful his love endured forever with them, man he was just doing he was doing and doing and everybody's like wow wow and i can't believe those israelites would go into the new land and rebel against the god that had done everything for them those israelites but what i've experienced in my own life is sometimes i act like them sometimes i do the same thing they do and we read passages of scripture like this and we're like well i I didn't do that i haven't gone into some foreign land and i don't have some golden buddha in my house i'm not sitting there worshiping some statue and burning incense to him i don't i don't do any of those things so you can't relate me to these people i'm different but are you I mean, this, this desire of human beings to willfully walk into exile has been a part of our story for a very long time. If you go back to Adam and Eve, same thing. They were exiled from the garden. Why? Because they disobeyed God. Cain and Abel, same thing. Cain was exiled from the presence of God because he ignored God when he came to him and said, sin is crouching at your door. What are you going to do about it? And it led to his own exile. See, it's the human condition to want to be exiled. We have this rebelliousness in us that that actually, like we have a propensity. We have a propensity to walk away from God. It's so messed up. Like God can do everything for you, which he has, Jesus. And we still walk away from him. Like, I mean, Jesus, like if you looked at the cross, I mean, anybody in this world, even if you're not a believer, you'd be like, that guy is pretty awesome. He was willing to give his life for people. I mean, that's amazing. And for the believer, we know the implications of that. We know the story and how it relates to us and and helps us and shapes us and, 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 and brings us into a home that no one can ever take from us. And yet, we do it all the time. We may not have a golden Buddha, but we have idolatry in our lives. And idolatry is simply this, anything that's a priority over God. Could we just enter in time? Could we just enter, could we just enter in our schedule? Some of us, friends, our schedule is our idol. And we've walked into the land, and now we are being devoured by it because we've walked away from God. And we're trying to live our lives in our busy schedules 
without his presence and power. And we wonder why we're exhausted. We wonder why we're so tired. Friends, it's not God's plan or his will for you to do it without him. He wants you to come home. He wants you to be in the presence of God. And what we see in this passage of scripture is that Israel was committed to going the other way. And matter of fact, if you go back just one chapter in Deuteronomy, you see this kind of interaction happening where basically Moses is saying, hey, look, here's the deal. I, I know that this is where we're headed, but I need you to know, I mean, I, I set before you life and death. I set before you life and death. Come on, friends. I set before you life and death. God is setting before you life and death. And he says to you, will you choose life or will you choose death? It's your choice. And, and Moses goes on to say, it's my heart that you would choose life. It's my heart that you would choose life because I don't want you to choose death. I don't want you to choose that other God. I don't want you to choose that thing that's going to get in the way and it's going to start to lead to you feeling disconnected from a father that loves you so much. Did you know that the father's love doesn't change for you regardless of what you're doing? He still loves you. Like you literally, somebody in this room, maybe you right now, you may be hiding something. You may be disconnected in some area of your life spiritually. And I just need you to know that even in the midst of that, even in the midst of the guilt or the shame that you feel, the Father God loves you very, very much. And he wants you to come home. He wants you to come home. He wants you to come home. So Israel, man, they really were going to mess it up. And, and, and they were going to abandon God. They basically were going to break covenant with the Father. And the thing that you have to see in this is that this is all a part of our story as well. That we have a tendency to do the same thing. And what I want to say to you today is that we don't have to make that choice. Like, I love this in Luke chapter 15, continuing with the same story, verses 11 through 13. Jesus goes on and tells this story. It says, a man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want the share of your estate. Remember, we talked about that. I want the share of your estate before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. And then look at this. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings. He moved to a distant land. And there, listen, he wasted all of his money on wild living. He moved to a distant land. Did you see it? He moved to a distant land. Did it say the father made him move to a distant land? No. He moved to a distant land. You ever felt like you knew better than God? Huh? No, none of you guys. None of you would do that, right? The Bible says that we're always doing it. The Bible says that on a regular basis, we, we actually believe that we know more than the Father. <laughs> like, do you know how stupid that is? Like, I use that word intentionally. Like, some of your moms are like, I can't believe he said that word in church. That's the word I mean. Like, literally. Because it's not that you have the capacity to learn. I would have said, you know how ignorant that is? Like, ignorant would mean that you could learn from it. Stupid is an inability to learn. 
And as human beings, as rebellious people unto the Lord, we have a stupid button that sometimes we push. And the stupid button is thinking that we know more than God or that we know better. It's not just pride, it's hubris on a whole nother level to think that you know more than the creator God. And yet we do it. Like God's like, hey, do this. You're like, no, I'm going to do this. Yes? Read your Bible. No, I'm good. I'm going over here. Spend some time praying. No, I'm good. I'm over here. No, I know none of you do this. But think about it. Do this. No, I'm good. Forgive people. No. I like it. I like my unforgiveness. It makes me better, stronger, safer. Stupid. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think that may have been the most I've ever said that word in a sermon. Matter of fact, I'm going to title this message, Stupid. <laughs> He moved to a distant land and it says that he wasted not what he didn't have, but he wasted what he had. Friend, you have something. You have something. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you have something. You have someone. And if you choose to leave it at home, if you choose to walk away from it, that is on you. God is always with you. God wants to be with you. God is always hanging out and asking that you would invite him in. But do we? Because did you know that no matter where you go, you can always be home? Did you know that? Like you don't even have to be in the house of the Lord to be home. You can be home wherever you are if you have Jesus. But what can happen is you can have Jesus, but you don't talk to him. You don't get to know him. You don't spend time with him. You don't treat it that way, and a distance gets created, and you start to wonder, does God really love me? Do I really love him? Am I saved? I don't know. And it's the distance that happens. And so there are three things I want to share with you today that, that I think are choices that happen. We make a decision to leave, I don't know what that looks like for you today, where you went, if you're there, but perhaps there was a moment where you made a decision to leave. Number two is you potentially decide to disobey. Is it really this simple? Yep. You decide to disobey, and then finally, you decide to create distance, even if you don't know you're doing it. You, it's like you do it unconsciously. It's, it's, it's like you've heard me use that illustration of the drift, you know, like when you're on the beach and you get in the water and you start to play in the ocean and the next thing you know, you're a mile down from your hotel and you didn't even feel it. That's, the, that's what happens. There's a drift and that drift creates a distance and it happens so subtly. And guys, I've seen it happen in my life and it scares me. It scares me that when I lack discipline, or when I lack obedience, it starts to compound or it starts to slip. And the next thing you know, I was reading my Bible every day and now I'm not. 
And then I wonder why I feel the way I feel. And I just want to say to you, don't give it away. Say to myself, don't give it away. See, God wants you to come home. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants you home? Do you believe that God wants to give you these things? I hope you do. Because if you don't believe that, then you don't believe, you believe something about God that isn't true. You've bought into a lie about God that isn't even true. Maybe the, maybe the world told you. Maybe some uh, preacher told you. Maybe you saw it on TV. I don't know. Maybe you ta- saw Oprah say it or Dr. Phil or something. You've bought into something, and it's not what the Bible says. And what I would say to you is, is come home. Come home. Get back in. Because here it is. Come to your senses. Right? Come to your senses. Take, take it. Take it right now. Like this lump that you're getting right now. Some of you are like, I don't like this. I don't like this. This preacher's annoying me. He's mean. He called me stupid. I didn't call you stupid. I said what you were doing was stupid. But you see, come home. Don't stay away anymore. Let this Christmas be the best Christmas. Not because you got a bunch of gifts, but because you got back in the presence of God again. You recommitted yourself to the things of God. You came to your senses, maybe for the first time or maybe in a long time, that you're going to come back and be with God. Did you notice it says that the, the, little, the, 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 the younger son came home? He says, I'm going back to my father. I love that. You know why? Because he he knew something about his father. If you were in the same situation he was in and you thought your father hated you, if you thought your father was angry with you or was an angry person, vindictive person, vengeful person, would you have come home? I don't know about you, but I don't know if I would have. But it says he comes home because he he knew who his father was. He knew the father that was willing to give his estate away, even when his younger son said to his face, I wish you would die. He knew the love of the father. He had walked away from it. And in his effort to find whatever he was looking for, he had lost everything. And in the midst of that, he was reminded again of the love of the Father, which is the same thing Moses says, that when it gets hard, eventually they're going to wake up to the fact that I was the God that did all of these things for them, and they're going to come home. Did you know it's God's will from the very beginning, whether you're in exile or not in exile, for you to come home? That it's always been God's will. It's always been his plan from the very beginning, from the very beginning, from the very beginning that it is God's redemptive story that the people of God would come home and to be with the Father. That's what he wants. And I love that he got right up. He got right up and he went home. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Just get up. Stop sitting. Stop mourning what you've done. Stop moping. Stop living in shame. Stop living in guilt and fear and, and bitterness and unforgiveness. Stop it. And get up and start walking towards the Father. Because the Father is the only one that can heal you. Start coming home this Christmas. Let go of those things that are holding you down. Let go of those things. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to pull those shackles off of you. And don't pick them up. The Bible says, like like a dog that returns to his own vomit is a man that picks up his sin. Again and again. Just don't do it. 
Let's not do it. And now you say, Pastor, it's not that easy. I know. I know. But it is possible. And if it's possible, then it's worth a step. If it's possible, it's worth the step. Because you know, if you take that step, God will meet you in that step. And then he'll meet you in the next step. And then he'll meet you in the next step. And eventually, it's the principle of the path. Come on, it's the principle of the path. If you stay on the road, you'll eventually get to the destination. And the destination is home. So start walking. Even if you can't, crawl a little bit. Whatever you got to do. Just, just whatever. Get up and start moving towards the Father that loves you. Whew. So let's all come to our senses this Christmas. Let's get our eyes back on Jesus. Let's come home. Let's begin to remember that we have a dependence in us and that without us being dependent on God, things get really messed up. We need to remember that we're dependent on the Father. We need to repent of the things that we've done that take us away from his presence, the areas of our, the areas of our life that we've been disobedient. But isn't it true that coming home is one thing, but staying home is quite another? Because some of us have been home like we come home every Christmas. You know what I'm saying. And you might be here and you know exactly what I'm saying. I'm glad you're here. But let's turn that once or twice a year into a regular thing. Let's, let's not just come home. Let's stay home. Let's stay home. Come on. It's better in his presence. And so a few things as I close, very practical is that staying home really requires three things. The first is, is that we need to connect or reconnect with others. And I don't mean just like people at the grocery store. I mean with other believers. You need to reconnect or connect with other believers. Because see, what happens, and I just ask you this question. Has there been any point over the last year, the last month, whatever, that you've pulled away from others? that you've pulled away and that you've isolated yourself. Now, I don't know if that's happened for you. If you're online, maybe you're hearing this and, and maybe you've done that too. But, but, but I just want to invite you to reconnect. You know, this January, we'll be having small group signups. Get in a group. You're like, Pastor, I don't like groups. Don't care. <laughs> you need to be in a group. Like, even if you don't like your group, like you hate all the people in it, it's good. Because it teaches you to deal with people you don't like and love them. And that's your problem. Because the Bible says that I should love my enemies. I should pray for those people that I don't like. You're like, oh, pastor, that's too much. I, maybe. But do you want to get better? Do you want to get stronger? You know, well, then you got to lift some weight. And some of that weight is your own sin that you are allowing. And so, 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 so get in a group. Join a group so that you can connect with the people of God. I, I just, I know. And here's the other thing that really bugs me. Come on. Since I'm just getting it all off today, you know, just getting all of it off my, my, my chest, um, is, is when people tell me I don't feel connected to, to other people. Pastor, I just don't feel connected to other people. And my next question is, are you in a group? And they say, no. And I look at them with this face. 
That's the face. I'm just saying, right? Like, I can, I can point you in the right direction. I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink it. We have groups, not because I'm, I'm, t- I'm just, like, bored. Like, hey, let's create groups. That'll be fun. No, we create groups so that you have connection, so that you never get in a situation where nobody knows what's going on, so that you have somebody on your six all the time. Because I can tell you this, life will come at you. And if you don't have that, you're going to be in trouble. And then what's going to happen is not only are you going to be in trouble, you're going to start believing the worst about people. And you're going to then, oh, it's even better. You're going to start being, believing the worst about your pastor. He doesn't even love me. He never calls me. I don't know, la, 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 la. I love you. Let me say it publicly. I love you. I'm saying this to you because I love you. So get connected. Come on, reconnected. Have you pulled away from other believers? Number, number two is that we need to reconnect or connect with his church. Not just online. Come on, friends. In person, too. Because how many of you have experienced church online? Love it, love it. Oh, it's so great, right? You're like, I hate it. Right? You did it for a while. You're like, okay, got it. Been there, done that. There's a reason for that. I mean, we can do our best and man, have great sound and great mixes and great preaching. It's just different because it's not with the people. God wants you to be with the people. And when you're with the people, it changes things. And so perhaps you've stopped attending church regularly. You know, I, I, know, I know what our church size is, right? I've seen, the, I've seen the, the list. But for some reason, it's interesting to me that these people aren't coming. The data says that people come 1.9 times a month. Now, I don't even know how you get that math, but that's the math. So basically two times a month. That's what evangelical believers are doing. And I just want to say to you, hey, go for three. You know, see if you went for three, how that would help you. And if you're really going to live dangerously, Go for four. Yeah, go all in. Imagine what God could do if you would do that, if you would connect in that kind of way. And then finally, the last one, and that is that we need to connect and reconnect with Jesus. We need to reconnect with others. We need to reconnect with his church. And we need to reconnect with Jesus. Or perhaps we need to connect with Jesus for the first time. Now, I I, I do want to mention this well I'll ask this question have you stopped doing what you know to do to make you stronger have you stopped reading your bible you know consistently have you stopped praying have you have you stopped doing something that put you in the presence of God you know uh, we have we have all kinds of plans that can help you with that. We've got soap. We've got, and I don't have time to go into all of that. But there are ways that you can begin to do it. But here's what I want to say: You're asking, like, Pastor, that's a lot. What's one step I can do? What's one step? Here's your one step. And I mean this: as a, as a church, we've prayed about this, and we've asked God what He wants us to do, and what He He has told us is He wants us to start the year putting Him first. 
and, I, and I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe you're not ready to do, but I just forget it. Don't, don't be ready. Just do it. Just take a step of faith. Is that we have a conference coming up at the first of the year called Thrive. And that whole conference is designed to get you back in the game. It's designed to reconnect you with the things of God. And I'm telling you, it's a one-day experience. It's going to be from the morning to later afternoon. It's only $10. We're going to feed you. It's going to be awesome. I've got a buddy coming in. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this. Pastor David Stalker is coming in, and he, he is going to light this place up. And I don't know. You're like, well, why would we want to come? The place was on fire. <laughs> not literally. Not literally. He's going to help us grow. He's going to help us reconnect with others. He's going to help us reconnect with the church. He's going to help us reconnect with the things that are going to make us stronger. Because, friends, I just don't want you to give it away. I just want you to stop giving it away. I want you to come home. So what I'm going to ask you to do, and I mean this, before you leave this house, go online or get on the app and sign up for the Thrive Conference. And then rearrange your schedule to be there in Jesus' name. All right? Because I promise you, if you do, God will meet you there and you will be blessed and it'll be good. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here's, thank you. As we close, final thought. Our connection to God, his people, and his church is oxygen. Do you understand? It's oxygen. That if I don't have those things in my life, I will eventually pass out. And if I don't get oxygen soon, come on, I will die. There are some of you today that you're living death right now. Like you're walking, you're talking, you're even moving, but you're dying. Or perhaps you're close to death. And it's not God's will for your life. Because see, God wants you to come home. God loves you. At Christmas time, we come face to face with that reality again. That this little baby wasn't just born for fun. This little baby, Jesus, was born to bring us all home. God loves you. He wants his kids to come home. And so as we turn our attention again to this season, may we be reminded of just how much God wants us home. And my heart for us today is that we would not give away what is rightfully ours for some temporary satisfaction, for some, some, some thing that we think we need, some success or power or sex or whatever it is, that we would never give those things away and that we would stay right in the house of the Lord in the presence of God. That's my heart for us as we start this series and as we kind of begin our march towards Christmas Eve. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your presence among us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for challenging us with it. Lord, I know that there are some in this room that they've gotten disconnected from others or from the church or from, from you. And so as your pastor, I just want to pray for you. 
if you don't consider me your pastor, just let me pray for you anyway. But let me pray for you. God, I ask in the name of Jesus for anybody in this room that desires to reconnect, to recommit, to come home. I pray, God, for faith to well up inside them. I pray for strength to take that first step. Just say to the Lord in your own way, God, I'm sorry for rebelling, for being disobedient, for walking away, for giving away what's rightfully mine. Just tell him what it is that's gotten in the way. What's your idolatry today? What's gotten in the way? Is it your schedule? Is it a person? Is it a habit, a hurt, some hang up? Just tell the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for letting these things get in the way. Would you forgive me? And Lord, as I start walking home, would you meet me right now? The moment I step in faith, would you meet me? And would you begin to bring back my birthright? Holy Spirit, would you begin to flood and fill your people again? Anybody today that wants to be flooded with the love of Christ, would you just simply say to the Lord, Lord, would you do it? Would you do it now? God, would you just begin to flood your love and your presence and your power? Holy Spirit, would you do that? Fill your people again. Strengthen your people again. As we come home this Christmas. I want to pray specifically for anybody in this room that would say that as I was talking, you would have to honestly admit that you don't have a relationship with Christ, that, that you don't have that relationship. And so when I was talking about walking away from it, you, you may have said, I've never walked towards it. And I just want to say to you very openly and honestly and authentically, the Father God loves you and he sent his son to die for you. And so at Christmas time, we come and we see this baby, but that baby grows into a man, and that man goes to a cross and dies a brutal death. He's taken off of that cross and he's put into a tomb. And the Bible says three days later, he comes out of that tomb in victory, that he's beat sin and he's beat death, and he gives that to you if you want it. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that these things are true, that Jesus will come in and he will save you. He'll bring you home. Come on. And so I just want to pray for anybody today that would say that this is their desire. If this is your heart, would you pray this prayer with me? And church, I just ask you to pray this prayer as well so no one feels alone. And so let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I've walked away from you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you be my savior? I surrender my life to you.
be my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out. Help me to come home. Help me to stay home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, I want to invite you to stand. You know, as a church, we have this time of response at the end because we want to just spend just a few more minutes with God. Because I believe this, that you may have not heard anything in my message whatsoever. But in these last few minutes together, if you'll open yourself up, maybe God's going to say something to you right now. I just, I believe it. If you're open today that the Holy Spirit would speak to you as we worship, just allow that to happen, okay? I want to pray for us. God, we invite your Holy Spirit here as we sing this last song. Lord, would you dwell? The Bible says that you are enthroned on the praises of your people. And so, Lord, we want to praise you. Would you come? Would you sit on the throne of this house, on the throne of our lives? God, on the throne of our relationships and and our marriages and our friendships and our kids. God, would you sit right here, right now, that heaven would meet earth as we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.